We're still on detention and demurrage rulemaking watch. Only a few more days to get your comments in. All that and more on today's Captain's Log Holiday Edition. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain, presented by the Maritime Professor. That's me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So again, usually we start with our top three stories of the week. <laughs> but this week, all our stories are top stories. We are in the midst of our Captain's Log holiday series, a, a unique moment between Thanksgiving and the new year that otherwise people might be taking off, but we're not taking off. There's too much to cover. We have the FMC detention demurrage rulemaking. We have the unreasonable refusal to deal uh, with respect to vessel space rulemaking. There was too much happening in the month of December. So we press on and we will be bringing you the top stories of the week in a captain's log series through the new year. So let's jump right into it. So story number one, look, this is the last week that this is going to be the number one story. It's that the FMC's detention and demurrage rulemaking billing requirements rule, the notice of proposed rulemaking is still open for comments, but it's only open a few more days. It closes it closes December 13th. So the rule was released on October 13th and it had a 60-day comment window. We've talked about it so much here on By Land and By Sea. There's episodes on it, breaking down what's actually in it. If you want the quick and dirty version of what's in it, go check out that episode. If you want to just see what I say about it every week, feel free to cruise through all of our last episodes through the past few weeks because I've put it on every week because I want to make sure that the industry gets their comments in. If you had a moment to sit down with the FMC and say, it's been a tough two years for detention demurrage, but I have some thoughts. This is your moment. I know you got to write it down. I know you got to put it in some comments. But imagine as you're writing, if you're sitting with the FMC commissioners saying, here's my grievances. Here's what's happened. So the FMC, like I said previously, the December 13th rule, the, the December 13th comment filing period, that's when all your comments have to be in. But this rule, this notice of proposed rulemaking is based on some language. Previously, Last spring, the FMC released the advance notice of proposed rulemaking where they kind of just ask questions of the industry. What do you think about a couple of these ideas? We're past that stage now. Now the FMC has some real language that they're putting forward saying, here's what we think we're going to be putting in as our regulation, as our actual text of the rule. What do you think? So this is the moment. This is the pivotal moment. Take a look at that language. See if it applies to you. See if it operationally works for you. I know I've been hearing a lot of people talk about the detention to merge invoice 
billing requirements. So there's in the in the proposed text, the FMC is saying, so within 30 days at the conclusion of detention or demerge, the actual amount, the, the invoice has to be issued to uh, the customer there, the, the, the direct contractual relationship. So the shipper, 30 days. But a lot of times the cargo is held up until you get that invoice. So that doesn't always work. If it doesn't work for you, let the FMC know. They want to know if this doesn't exactly work for you, how doesn't it work for you? In general, I think the FMC wants to take a lighter touch here. But look, this is the wild, wild west. There hasn't been a lot of very prescriptive guardrails put in place around detention to merge. And we saw it through the chaos of the last two years. But now... We're getting a little calmer, but we don't want that to happen again. We want to make sure that tensions merge is kind of cleaned up. And so that's what the FMC is doing here. So take a look at the text, this notice of proposed rulemaking. See what the text looks like. See how it relates to you. Um, another, a couple interesting areas, it streamlines, it, it proposes to streamline the contractual relationship for invoice payments. So what that does is it takes motor carriers out of the responsible party list. Motor carriers, the drayage companies, can still pay on behalf of the shipper, but they're not required to. I think that's going to be great because that's going to help eliminate some of the double, triple payments. That's also part of the 13 requirements that OSRA set out. This also, this um, notice of proposed rulemaking that the FMC is putting out, this rule is talking about those 13 requirements. Remember, that was what rule is this based on? What rate? What dates are you invoicing for? Um, That was all part of that. But also listed is who is this going to? And so if the motor carriers are taken out of the responsible party list and put on a they may pay, that's going to help eliminate some of that confusion, streamlining that contractual relationship for the invoice payments. And like I said, there's that 30-day requirement for invoices to be issued, but then there's 30-day requirement for after you get the invoice, and it's not quite clear if it's after you actually receive the invoice or 30 days after demerge has concluded because there might be a little bit of a, of a funny business on, well, if it was sent, I mean, granted now it's email or, or immediate, but if it was sent, um, you know, that, that kind of mail rule, um, so, so, okay, so you have 30 days for the invoice uh, requirement from when detention to merge ended, and then you're going to have 30 days past that. Let's just make that easy, past that, to dispute it. You only have 30 days now, and it's trying to kind of control the, the world that we're in here, um, 30 days to dispute it. The, the, the carrier, the whoever the invoice, the billing party is supposed to um, issue some guidance on how you dispute it, who you contact to dispute it. But look, I've heard a lot of people say they can't get a hold of anybody. People have been on the phone for eight hours sometimes on hold or, or whatever, trying to get a hold of somebody to dispute some of these claims or, or just get somebody to talk to to explain what's going on in the invoice. That one could be a tough one, that 30-day requirement for dispute, because now, I mean, really, if if they're pl- if if the invoice, if the billing party is playing a game of catch me if you can, essentially, um, saying, you know, now they only have 30 days. They don't have to keep you on the hook for six months. It's only 30 days of not answering your phone calls. So um, I, I hope, I'd like to see in the next round maybe something that talks a little bit about um, maybe a, a, a duty to respond or a 48-hour response requirement um, for dispute mechanisms, um, something that that kind of creates this responsibility of the, the billing party who's having the dispute brought to them 
to respond. We, that's where we've seen some trouble. So I don't know. We're uh, This is not legal advice. This is just all educational discussion. I'm so excited to dive into some of these comments. We've had over 59 comments filed in the past 15 days, over 65 comments in the past 6, 30 days. Uh, look, we're, we got a lot of comments coming in. They had 88 comments filed last time they did the advance notice proposal rulemaking. Um, this is a little bit funny because they're over on regulations.gov now. So you're going to see the previous 80-something comments, and then now you're going to see the new comments. As you look through the D&D, um, the, the um, regulations.gov website, try to remember that because otherwise it looks like they have over 150 comments filed. They're not all for right now. Um, sort it by the date filed. Um, and really, like I said, that was last spring. So if you if you keep it within 60 days, you should be fine. Um, but yeah, that it's going to be a little bit confusing to look through all those comments. But don't worry, that's what I'm here for. I'm going to look through all those comments. And we're going to talk about it next week, see what comments have been filed, uh, see what people are saying. I'm, I'm so excited to see how the industry is responding here. Um, but look, this is due the 13th. That's next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, you have to get this in. Tuesday. Get your comments in. And don't forget, I always say this, but don't forget, mention who you are. Mention what part of the industry you're part of. Even though you have a big name in the industry, there's a lot of big names in the industry and there's a lot of nuances within. Make it very, very easy for somebody to understand the story you're trying to tell. Totally fine. All right. So that's it. So Tuesday is the day. Get your comments in. So story number two, along those same lines, we talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it this week. Next week, we also have another rule that's supposed to be dropping. Now, this is a final rule that's required by December 16th. This is the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations. So that is due out December 16th. Remember, under the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, this rule, this first rule, was required to be finished up within six months. So that puts the deadline at December 16th. That's next Friday. So will we have a new rule? Will we have a fresh spanking new rule on unreasonable refusal to deal and negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations? Remember, there were some definitions included in this one. Um, there was some business practices or business rationale that was included that got some comments that were, were a little bit... Um, uh, troubled by by that uh, business rationale that saying that the carriers just needed to provide a, a real business reason or maybe they needed to provide a full business report. It wasn't quite clear what that was, um, but the, the term of art that the, the FMC was using there. So I'm I'm interested to see how that all gets cleared up. Um, if they if they dive into that business decision, if they kind of stay away. Like I said, in general, I think the FMC is trying to keep a lighter touch, but they do want to help control the chaos. I mean, that's why they're there. They're supposed to be trying to help control the chaos. There was a lot of deregulation that happened in the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 1998. If you recall, this is not the first OSRA. There's an OSRA 98. We've covered it on a previous By Land and By Sea episode. Um, remember, both OSRAs are modifying the Shipping Act. That is the law that rules the day here, the Shipping Act of 1984. So OSRA 98, pulled back a lot of those regulations. And so now here we are, OSRA 22 is kind of putting a few back on, not the same, but they're putting a few, a little bit more control um, in the FMC's court to, to kind of help control that chaos. So next Friday. So next week is a big week. We have Tuesday, the comments are due on the detention to merge. And Friday, we're hopefully going to be getting the final text of the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations rule. Here we go. That's why we're not taking a holiday break this year, guys. We are continuing on. <laughs> 
All right. So story number three, we're, we're keeping with the FMC. So Federal Maritime Commission commissioners, Commissioner Carl Benzel and Max Vekic, are actually asking for more direct authority over carriers and their filing of agreements. So I've talked about this before. This was one of my comments on OSRA 22 in general. So, so OSRA, the whole point was they wanted to control the cartels, the evil cartels of the ocean carriers. And, you know, I, I had a little bit of an issue with that because, look, they're not cartels. I mean, I guess they are because they enjoy this antitrust immunity, but they're not these bad guys. In general, I think there was some bad acting, but they're not these bad, bad, bad guys that I think was being touted across the board. But even if they were, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act didn't really get to the cartel nature, right? It didn't get to the agreements. It got to some of the detention to merge, some of the billing practices. Um, it, it encouraged some rulemakings, but it didn't really get to the crux of the issue. And what I've said previously that the crux of the issue that I see is the FMC can't deny agreement filings. They can't deny these alliance agreement filings. Sure, we've heard it in the media before saying, oh, okay, well, the FMC didn't, uh, approved uh, the, the alliance agreement. Uh, they didn't approve it. They don't approve it either. They, they review it. So currently, under the law, agreements are automatically effective unless there is, and, and by a certain date um, from filing, unless the FMC asks more questions. And so that stops the clock of the, of the um, automatic uh, implementation of the agreement, or if the FMC files an injunction in court, basically they have to bring a lawsuit against the alliance or the agreement that's being filed. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of work to just to deny something. What if basically the carriers came in and said, "All of us, all all eight, nine, ten big carriers want to join one big alliance." I mean, the FMC certainly would bring that an injunction in court for that. But they couldn't just outright deny that. They they would have to ask questions, you know, kind of look at it and be like, this is, you can't do this. This is a monopoly. Um, you're not going to get antitrust immunity here. But the FMC would have to be quick getting all their ducks in a row and filing um, an injunction against the, the agreement. Don't you think it should be a little bit easier for the FMC to outright deny these alliance or agreement formations when they're clearly bad? Right now, they're not necessarily clearly bad, right? We've talked about that before. Um, in a past by land and by, by sea episode, we talked about ocean alliances. We did kind of a 101. And you, the informed listener, knows that the FMC can't deny these alliances. And these alliances that came out, especially when they were first being presented in 2016, 2017, I mean, they were roughly, what, 20, 30 percent, maybe, maybe edging into 40 percent market share, um, but really 20 to 30 percent, I'd say, in general. Um, that's not that's not untenable. I mean, that's kind of right around where the airline alliances are. Um, that was what we talked about in that ocean alliance versus airline alliance. Um, you know, airline alliance is kind of the same idea. And we, the consumer, the general public, have benefited from these alliance agreements on the airline side of things. I'm going to tell you something. We, the shipper, we, the U.S. consumer of the ocean industry world, have also benefited from some of these alliance agreements because they've opened up They've opened up trade lanes. They, for a while, reduced rates. They, they, they actually just helped increase options for shippers to move their goods from warehouse into to basically your homes, right? 90% of everything moves by ocean transit. We can't forget that. And so while we may have gone through a tough time over these past two years, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. However, the FMC 
getting back to the crux of this story, the FMC doesn't have the ability to deny an alliance agreement. Let's say they came in, like I said, and said, we have 95% of market share. The FMC should have the ability in that moment to say, no, 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 uh-uh. you, this is a denial of this uh, uh, agreement. Um, I think that Congress missed, missed that opportunity by not including that in the Ocean Ship Reform Act of 2022. Um, where they put that now, I'm not quite sure. I mean, it takes a lot to get Congress to agree on stuff. Um, but I think that that was a huge miss in the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2022, that they should have put that in there saying that the FMC, maybe even saying above 50% market share, maybe they had a threshold, maybe because they were pretty prescriptive in a lot of other things. Maybe they had a threshold. Maybe they don't. Maybe they just give the FMC the deference that they give it through the Shipping Act in general to make that determination um, and to to allow for those denials of these agreements. Um, so, yeah, so the FMC is asking for that authority now through at least two commissioners. Um, you know, obviously the commission, there's five commissioners. And so um, in general, we're going to have to have uh, majority rules. Um, but, you know, to, to ask Congress, not necessarily. Um, they're just asking them to think about it, um, asking them for that more authority over carrier agreements. I support it. I think that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, I, I I like to see a little less. It just seems like a missed opportunity, right? It, I like to see Congress staying a little hands off and really giving that deference to the FMC. But I think this is that moment where they should have given this deference to the FMC instead of saying that the FMC has to bring it in front of um Bring it in front of a course, a, a court system. Maybe, like I said, maybe that fifty percent threshold. Maybe there's some sort of a threshold so that if you do get a really active FMC, you don't have to worry about them denying every agreement out there because it seems bad. Um, I don't know. So we'll see where that goes. I'm gonna. I'm interested in that. I'm gonna keep watching that one. So story number four. Don't text and boat. <laughs> okay, so that's the shock value statement that's cruising around Twitter and all throughout the, the industry presses these days. But truly, look, it opens a larger conversation. So so what am I talking about? The Coast Guard finished their investigation into the Ever Forward. Remember the Ever Forward? That was that, that vessel that got stuck out in the Maryland Craig Hill Channel in March. Turns out the pilot that was guiding the Ever Forward through that channel was on the phone for most of that trip, both texting and taking phone calls. And I even read there was maybe a 55-minute phone call. I don't know how long that trip is, but I mean, it's not days. Okay, so let's break some of this down. So what is a pilot? So it's not an airline pilot. So a pilot in the maritime world is a local um, a, a local captain that has knowledge of the particular area, and they help guide the vessel into or out of the port. So it's the local expert driver. They know that, you know, it, there's an extra shallow space over there. There's a bunch of rocks over there. You know, they, it's so that you kind of help protect the area that's closest to the port so that way these pilots are the local gurus. They they know what's going on out there, so they are more likely to be safer in their driving. Um, so they should know what it's like, like the back of their hand. And arguably, they're really not on the vessel for very long, right? They just, they they meet the, the, the vessel at a certain point at a pilot meeting station. They traverse the vessel in. Same thing goes on the way out. They, they hop on at the port, they drive it out, and then they Say, see you later. Have a great, have a great trip. Uh, once they get past a certain marker beyond um, kind of the the internal water area. So, look. Do you think there should be a strict no phone policy? Not necessarily. Um, but should the pilot be required to maintain full control of the vessel? Yes, a hundred percent. Yes, that's what they're required to do. Look, chatting away on their phone is not full control. Look. 
Okay. To take a phone call here and there, you're you're still with you're still within cell range. So I mean, I, I don't see that as being a problem. But should you be just ch- chatting away? No, no, I don't think so. Um, and clearly, this was to the detriment of the pilot, and that they weren't able to fully do their job. Um, they, maybe they didn't know where they were, but that's because they weren't paying attention, right? So look, it's it's not it's not terrible because I, and I say that because look, previous incidents and maybe the most. The most <laughs> the most known incident, the Exxon Valdez in 1989, which was an oil tanker running aground in Alaska, there was suspicion. There was suspicion of drugs and alcohol in that case. Like this isn't drugs and alcohol. This is just texting and driving. This is just um, you know telephoning and and uh, being distracted. Um, I, to be fair though, the captain Joseph Hazelwood in the Exxon Valdez was actually he was accused of being drunk while driving, but he was later cleared of that charge when a witness actually testified that he was sober. But I only bring that up to say, look, texting and and being on the phone is a new world. Previously, incidents would have a drunk driving or a drugged while driving element to it. Now you can be distracted and run a huge vessel aground for texting or not paying attention. It's your responsibility to be paying attention. Um, and, and certainly you have to be sober while you're doing it, but you also have to be paying attention. So um, look, I don't know. It's it's not a good world to have pilots or captains or anybody being accused of anything other than being in complete control of the vessel they're commanding. These are big ships, big ships, big vessels. Um, it's important that we we know what they're doing and, and that they know what they're doing at, the, at all times, that they know where they're going. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what comes of this. Is, is there going to be a strict policy? We'll see. All right. So story number five and the last story of the day is a return to our rates and industry, general industry discussion. So as you may know, the Chinese New Year is coming up. It's on January 22nd, 2023. And usually, usually on the ocean shipping side of things, that means there's a rush to get orders in before the factories close. So in the Chinese New Year's, factories will close in China. And it's it's two weeks, three weeks. Sometimes it's 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 a significant amount of time, a month, um, that usually orders start piling in right before to make sure that they can catch it right before the Chinese New Year. So this year, in the continued <laughs> mixing up of the industry, um, there is a seemingly missing peak season. Um, so so usually there's kind of a peak season of, of orders leading up to the Chinese New Year. So according to JOC.com, high inventories, right? We've heard of that before. A lot of these shippers or, or um, customers have been ordering early and they've just been sitting on some inventory um, in these warehouses. So high inventories paired with a slowing demand because people are going out for dinner more. People are, um, you know, people. there's inflation, historically high inflation. So people are just buying a little bit less. Um, so high inventories paired with a slowing demand are to blame. So in a quote in the JOC's article, it's going to be linked in the show notes, uh, one shipper actually says that pre-Chinese New Year's orders have dropped by about 25% over the same time last year. Okay, look, 25% Compared to last year, look, last year was an anomaly. Remember this time last year, nobody even knew if Santa was coming because we didn't know if he was going to be able to get his goods in off the ship. Last year was an anomaly, and certainly the past two years have been an anomaly. But an absence of a peak ordering season is certainly being felt across the industry and is certainly not necessarily based on on the anomaly of the past few years, but just in general. If there's a missing peak season, that's something worth noting. 
Like I might add, this dis- this this excuse me, this decreased demand paired with the newly ordered vessels that are still not only being received by the ocean carriers. So they the car- ocean carriers have ordered new vessels and they're still being received, but actually in some instances they're still being ordered. This is going to make its way into the overall rates pretty soon. So ocean carrier rates are still declining. Although the spot rates, let's be fair here, the spot rates that usually get all of the attention are lower than the service contract rates. So we may actually get a little bit more visibility into the service contract rates as those contracts are kind of in part renegotiated at the turn of the year. Um, but with new vessels coming in, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, new vessels means new capacity. More capacity means lower rates, right? Um it's still coming in. And and look, they're not just ordering these vessels just to get big, new, shiny vessels, although maybe in part. These vessels are also going to be more environmentally friendly. They're going to be more compliant with some of the decarbonization requirements that's coming out of the IMO um, in 2023 and certainly just in beyond. I mean, just a more environmentally friendly crop of vessels and an aging vessel fleet um, that needs to be to be revamped and and. Um, and modernized. So look, we went through a pretty significant period of change of, of carriers in charge. And, and now we're seeing this return to the age of the shipper. I've said that before. I, I said it maybe over the summer where I thought that we were going to start to move into the age of the shipper. I think the pendulum swinging back into the the world of the shipper. I've heard that carriers are starting to get a little more competitive for the shipper um, shipper's goods. So look, is the pendulum going to swing back again? Probably. It's probably going to swing back and forth a little bit before we fully level out here. But when your stock is high or your stock is low, make sure that you're still just being a decent human being in the industry. You never know when it's going to turn against your favor. This is an industry as much of the supply chain, all really all of the supply chain is an industry of relationships. Even if you've been burned, even if you're you're doing the burning, which I hope you're not doing the burning. Look, you got to be a good human here. We're all in this industry together. This is an industry of passion. I think a lot of people are really passionate about what they do um, and, and really interested in what they do. And, you know, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast or this live feed if you weren't really interested in what you did. But look, let's keep working on these relationships. We got to keep working together here. The, the past two years was a weird, strange time. Um, like I said, the pendulum's still going to be swinging a little bit here, but we got to all work together a little bit more. And that's my kumbaya of the day. <laughs> all right. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes. It should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you do have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, for the e-learning and the general industry information and insights, come find me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand or if you missed any previous episodes, I certainly referenced quite a few today, check out the podcast by Land and by Sea. And if you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page by Land and by Sea presented by The Maritime Professor. While you're at it, check out our website, themaritimeprofessor.com. Our courses are coming. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, The Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and By Sea. See you next time.